I want to welcome all of you to our podcast, From My Kitchen Table, which is both inspired and created by our successful and award-winning Women Create magazines. For those of you who do not know me, I am Jo Packham, a small-town homegrown girl who had no big dreams of being the creator and editor-in-chief of your magazines, Where and What Women Create, among which we have profiled over 745 women from around the world in over 265 books and magazines. I am so thankful that you are here joining us today. Our podcast, which is for and all about you, will be coming to you weekly. So please listen on your platform of choice. The guests we have are visionaries who consist of artists, designers, foodies, and entrepreneurs each taking us through the ups and the downs of living a creative life. I will be introducing you to those in our industry, some well-known and some you have never met. These women have crafted amazing works of imagination, transformed cooking and baking into an art form, built successful businesses, inspired entire communities, and each has a story to tell of perseverance and triumph that will help each of us on our own personal journey. So welcome to From My Kitchen Table. This is the place to come together, to learn, and to share the passion, the process, the inspiration, the wisdom, and the journeys of living a creative life. I know I say this more often than not, but the guests that I have on From My Kitchen Table, um, many of them are really good friends. And what I love about this community is that you can be really, really close to somebody, consider them a very, very dear friend, and really have only met them once, maybe, and only talk to them once every two or three months. But what is so special about these people, these men and these women that are part of this art community, is that they have a soul that is giving and sharing and loving and they are always there for you no matter what. And every time I say it, it makes me cry. And um, so, but it's true. And it's the way I feel about my guest today. This is Seth after second time, um, his second episode on From My Kitchen Table. And I have not spent a lot of time in person with Seth, but I have to say that for reasons I can't really explain, He's probably one of the very nearest and dearest to my heart. So I am going to read Seth's bio. It's a little different than the last time. And then I'm going to introduce you to Seth and we're going to start our conversation from my kitchen table. Seth Apter is a mixed media artist, instructor, author, and designer from New York City. He carries a strong belief in the power of art to bring people together and strengthen our communities. His artwork has been exhibited in multiple exhibitions and can be found in numerous books and national magazines. He has also published two books of his own, The Pulse of Mixed Media and The Mixed Media Artist. Seth loves the creative energy that occurs when artists and makers are brought together and has spent a great deal of time teaching workshops both online and throughout the world. Closer to home, he is an instructor at Pratt Institute in New York City. As a designer, he has created collections with many companies, including Impression Obsession, Stencil Girl Products, Paper Artsy, Wow, and Aladine. Art for him is everything and sharing the process just makes it even better. Welcome Seth to From My Kitchen Table. 
It is such an honor to have you here. Hi, Joe. Thanks so much for inviting me back. <laughs> I'm excited to be welcome. here today. You are welcome all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so today, yes, last time we were on the episode, you told a wonderful story about how you changed careers and got into art. And I don't want to talk about that today because I want everyone to go listen to your first podcast. <laughs> I think you are a genius at teaching, creating classes, being part of other people's class units. I mean, I know that there's a secret to that part of it's your personality and how good you are at your art. But part of it is the preparation and what you see in the world and all those kinds of things. And if you wouldn't mind spending a moment talking about some of the things you're doing and some that you're participating in. And now that COVID's over, I think you're beginning to travel a bit more. So let's talk about that too. Sure. Um, you know, this is a subject that's really close to my heart. Prior to the pandemic, I spent a lot of time, and I would probably say almost the majority of my time, traveling and teaching. At that point, I really focused on in-person workshops, not online workshops, and really felt um, that I got as much, if not more, out of them than maybe the students who were even coming to participate. There's just something about being in a room filled with people who are creatives, who get you, who are there for excitement and joy and pleasure and creativity, the energy, it, it feels almost like fuel to me. And it was something that um, also helped to fulfill just a sort of a personal a desire of, of travel because travel for me is so meaningful. It's, it's an education and an experience. And so being able to do both simultaneously was quite amazing. Once the pandemic hit, then that ended for the moment. And I really transferred all my energies to online teaching. And I will say that that, um, while it's not the same experience as being in a room with everybody, it far exceeded my expectations. And as you mentioned, um, I am going to be traveling again and uh, teaching in person again, combining that with the online workshop. So it's really just exciting to me um, to be able to do that. And I think when I teach, I kind of approach it in two or two, or maybe three different ways. So clearly I'm there to teach something. So, you know, there's art going on and, <laughs> you know, I guess. And, and oh, in some oh ways- dear, and then there's your art. Yeah, okay. Then there's the art. <laughs> but honestly, obviously that's a priority because probably somebody who's, you know, wanting to sing is not going to come to learn art for me. But I don't know, the bottom line for me is that the classes that I've taught with the community that I teach is, have really almost been more about the community and less about the art. Or I don't want to say less about the art, but it, it's been equally about the community. And I think that that's part of my approach to realize that people are there not just to learn a, a skill, but they're there for the experience of it. And um, as I have gone forward and as I continue to move forward, that is sort of the primary approach I'm gonna be taking with my classes to make them more like adventures or experiences rather than a traditional class. So explain what that looks like. 
I mean, what, so when you talk about, so you're going to teach a class and you're going somewhere. So what does it, it include besides me learning your art? What are some of the other things that you have planned? Well, I think that historically, the classes that I taught when I first started teaching could have been taught anywhere. So say I, I was in Northern California and I was teaching a class. That class literally could look exactly the same if I taught that same class say somewhere in um, New Mexico. And what I've realized is that um, the location along with the, the group of people who are there uh, play, plays a big role. So if you take the same class now that I might teach in two locations, it's going to have a completely different feel. I wanna always, even if it's a, a literally a single day class, say in a shop, I wanna take advantage of where we are. So whether that might in some cases include going out to um, like a local or a special restaurant, whether it might include um, leaving for a couple hours to go to a local flea market or, 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 or other store. Um, some, sometimes when I travel, I have people attend um, exhibi an exhibition that's going on there, or maybe go to a museum there, go to a local artist, something that makes it not just we could have just done this anywhere, even even done it online. Because I feel like um, there are so many benefits to being able to travel. And a lot of times when I travel places, this, the participants are not necessarily local to those places. So it gives them an opportunity to experience more than just the art. And then the other piece is that I also want to combine the local atmosphere with the class itself. So for example, in 2023, I'm gonna be doing um, kind of a cultural expedition in Spain. Oh. Um, which I'm really, really excited about. And the class part of it, which is really only a portion of it, it's gonna be called a, a field guide to Spain. So we're all gonna be in the very beginning making our own handmade books. And then throughout the time we're there and it's nine days, People are going to be using those books to sketch, to add photographs, make pockets and put little things that they find, keep them almost like a diary, and then come back to class and then build on the books. So it's, it's you know, they'll all come out with a keepsake that will have nothing to do with any other possible location on, on, on the world, in the world. Oh my gosh. So, so that always brings up two questions. One, the logistics behind the scenes for you as a teacher to arrange something like that. And two, the fear of some of the students, because you can't always find somebody to go with you, right? And um, we are community centered. So sometimes we're a little bit afraid to go by ourselves, mm -hmm. you know? So talk about one planning, that's a major planning event for you. So do you do it yourself? Do you work with a group that does it for you? How does that work? Well, I, I have done and continue to do both. And I will say that the events that I organize myself, um, the challenge is real. <laughs> um, it is not easy to do the behind the scenes work. And I will tell you that the more I've done it, the more appreciation I have for those people who typically do it. So for example, sometimes I, I'll teach in a 
shop. If I teach in a shop, say a craft store, I basically show up and teach. That's all I do. It's, it's like the best gig in the world. Right. But I also, for example, um, do uh, twice a year, I do an annual retreat in Taos, New Mexico with another artist, Roxanne Evans Stout. And we plan that ourselves. And I'm kind of the one who's taken on the main task of that. And when you start realizing that you have to answer all the questions, you have to find out like what people can and can't eat. And let me tell you, every single person on the face of this earth can't eat something. <laughs> when you have to assign the rooms at the lodge, when you have to answer those last minute questions that you have no clue about, um, it's a lot of work. Oh my um, gosh. But you know, on the, on the positive side of it, there is something extraordinarily satisfying about being able to put it together yourself, because then I have the say where we're going to go, what we're going to do. I can make <laughs> sure that I vetted everything. I can feel like I am really giving the participants what I believe knowing them, because I, I know a lot of the people in the community pretty well, knowing what they really, really want. So there's really something good about that. Um, the Spain trip is actually organized by a group called Craft Tours, oh. um, and they know what they're doing. And so they kind of pull all the details together. And it's a little bit more like I show up. Um, <laughs> nice. And I get to not only teach the class, of course, but then I also get to, you know, go to Barcelona and go on the tours and do all the extra, extra great things as well. I think um, one thing that's really important that I keep trying to um, focus on in both the articles in the magazine and these events that are coming back or even your online classes is that I was talking to Sharon Payne Bolton the other day and she was talking about putting together a class and she was pricing it. And I said, Sharon, that's way too low. And she said, well, I'm afraid if I do it higher, people won't come, right? And I said, but why do you want people there if you're not making any money? I mean, because we do it, not always to make money, but we all have to pay our own bills too, right? Plus yes. what I think your students sometimes don't focus on is how much work you do preparing for the class and doing all the other things that go with the class really do you think being the instigator for the class is actually profitable for you that's a good question <laughs> you know this conversation happens among all the instructors all the time right? all the is, you know i'm just going to throw in there the whole concept of pricing art because most of us who teach also sell our art, if not all of us. So, you know, there's no easy standard. And in fact, if you look online at people who are teaching, some are extremely low, some are extremely high. You know, some are, I like you, like sometimes I'll say either in my head or to the person, if I know them, like, are you kidding? You're only charging, you know, whatever. <laughs> and then other times I'll look and I say, are you kidding? You're charging. <laughs> Like, okay, more power to you if you can get it. Um, I, th I think, you know, as most, well, first of all, if you're going to work as sort of a full-time artist, for me, I like cobble together a lot of different aspects of art to make it work for me. And I'm in it 
like 24 seven, 365. Like this is not a nine to five job. Um, and I think that's true with most artists. And also most artists have passion for what they do. You know, we're a lucky crew because for most of us, we don't wake up thinking, oh God, I wish I was not going to work. Right. And so I think we all put in way more hours than we probably ever get paid for, at least many of us. So, 100% of the people that are passionate about their art do not get paid for all the hours that they work. It's yeah. so true. So, you know, I, I've kind of, you know, I tried to balance that out. I, I probably veer on the lower side in my mind across the board. Whereas maybe if I saw somebody else price say an online class the way I price it I would probably like message them and say like oh come on like add a little <laughs> bit more yet maybe I don't but I, I I mean I really really have come over time as I get older to learn to value experiences and I think that's part of also what I'm putting into this, these classes and why I'm doing that because you know they're it's through the lens of my eyes and kind of what I see and for me experience is worth something. So at this point, if I am traveling and I know that I'm going to be able to have this incredible, maybe once in a lifetime experience, like when I taught at your studio, which I still talk about to people <laughs> these days, and I don't want to make you sad about that, but um, that's okay. in a, truly a form of payment. Now, obviously I need to eat. This is my full-time job. So <laughs> it's not like oh yeah, just pay me an experience. But it really does add value. Um, and again, for me, like I said earlier, traveling is just something that's so important to me. So I, I really do feel that there's some payment in that. Oh, I agree with you 100%. And the community, the travel and all the experiences and the people that you share it with who actually do see it through your eyes, who, when I travel with my children, we see totally different things. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, Sarah's looking at the hiking, Justin's looking at the restaurants, I'm out looking at the art and all the little things that I want to collect. And we travel together and we have a wonderful time, but we really don't experience thought. It's not the entire experience. Does that make sense? Yes, like absolutely. when I go to these events and everybody's doing their artwork and talking the same language and excited to go shopping in the same places. It's a totally different experience. It's worth its weight in gold. Actually. Absolutely. I mean, there's so much synergy and energy that comes out of that. And I think a lot of us are living in worlds like personal worlds where we may not always be gotten, <laughs> you know, like the person whose spouse will say like, well, what do you do with that? <laughs> or like, you're making your like 500th book or doll <laughs> or whatever. Um, whereas you walk into a classroom or an event like this and there's none of that. People just get you. And there's some comfort in that. That's, that's payment in a manner of speaking too. Oh, comfort and security and validation yeah. and all of those things because, um, you know, it's like when I go, anywhere you're always looking for little trinkets doesn't have to be expensive stuff right just little things that remind you of the place where you've been to mm -hmm. include in your artwork right so it becomes part of the 
adventure is to yes. go the places that you can go and find the things that you can find. <laughs> my children look at it like, oh my hell, that is one more thing we're gonna have to figure out. We're gonna out. have to clean up at some <laughs> point. Yeah. To with, right? <laughs> but I know that's not gonna stop you. <laughs> Never. No. no. It, you know, I don't, what's really good now that I'm older and I feel more grown up, I don't even feel guilty about it anymore. <laughs> I used to feel guilty, right? And now I think, nope, it's all about me. Uh, in that particular moment, I get to do what I get to do, right? So Exactly. One of the, one of the things that I, I'm also trying to do with all my classes going forward is I, um, I'm creating a supply list. Oh. that includes a component that will make all the projects very personal. So rather than just say you have to bring paint and stamps and stencils and ink, those will be included, but then there'll be this section that I usually call flotsam and jetsam, which is your own handmade papers, your own photographs, personal ephemera, things from your family, you know, the bits of scraps of fabric that you, that you covet, that kind of thing. So that everybody's project not only is unique because we're not all using the same materials, but it, everybody's project is extremely personal. Um, because I do think that as artists, we all, what we do is we put our sort of insides on the, on the outsides. We put whatever's inside us, we put it on paper. And so I wanna foster that. I don't want, not that really it ever happens, I, but I don't want people just to be cookie cutter. I want everybody to feel that they can fly and be them and do what they want. I'm never the teacher. Like, you know, you hear the stories about <laughs> when these people who are now 50, 60, 70, when they were in grade school and the teacher said, no, you can't paint the sun, you know, black. <laughs> you will never amount to anything, never do art. And that's taken in. And now it's like 40 years later and they're still grappling with that. So I want to encourage that that's just so important to help people to let go and let loose and be the artists that they are and to do it without judgment. And, and that you said the word validation, that's, that's the bottom line of it. It's kind of the like key to relationships. You just, we all want to be validated. I am one of those uh, children. Uh, and um, I have always loved everything art. And my mother wasn't a really great artist, but she did lots of crafty kinds of things and made my mm -hmm. clothes. And I loved her and I loved what she did for me. And in my seventh grade art class, Mr. Bond, I will never forget him, walked up to the table and said, you are the worst artist I have ever had in one of my classes. And my best friend was one of the best. So not only was, I mean, it destroyed me for years and and I stayed away from the arts until we opened our shop and then what kind of the light went off with me and I'm still not over it I'm still hearing him in the back of my mind but I decided that I could be involved in the arts by being involved with all of you because you're all wonderful so I would do books or some way that I could be part of what you do and I would never have to do it myself right because it still hunts me I still hear him you know, and that was a really, really long time ago. So um, teachers. No, it's such a, it's such a, a story I hear so frequently. And, you know, those, those moments are the things that people do carry. Like you remember his name, you remember the moment. Of course, your best friend had to, you know, be the star. Just <laughs> of course, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, 
it's it's incredible the impact that that has on people. So I just think our particular community overall is so affirming that you know you you I, I agree with you. People don't forget that, but it 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 helps to heal. And it actually it reminds me of something that you and I, you know, talk about um, outside of the podcast. And I'm just going to pop it in for one second. <laughs> you know, sort of the haters on on social media. How oh. you could have, you know, a post or you know, I, I, on my books, it was so interesting on Amazon to see, you know, the, the reviews, the one-star reviews and everything, how, you know, you get 40 of these glowing reviews, hypothetically, and you get one from a hater, and that's the one that has the impact. Always. Yeah. You know, I go through and delete them. I can remember when Instagram first came on and everybody said to me, oh, you can't delete them. You have to leave what everybody said. And I thought, you know what? No, I don't. I absolutely do not have to leave what everybody says, especially when I represent all of you. I mean, how dare people be so have the audacity to do that in print and hide behind the technology? You know right. what I'm saying? It's, yep. you know, it's just as I it's overwhelming to me. It just breaks my heart. Well, you're a you're a champion of so many people. So, you know, I know you enough to know that if somebody on your platform or anywhere else sort of tore into one of your people, <laughs> your mama bear would not be happy about that. I, I truly am. I, I really, truly am. And it's um, in all things and to all people. That's what my daughter says. Mom, you kind of need a filter about who you go after. And I said, <laughs> I don't care if somebody's being naughty. I don't care who they are. They shouldn't be naughty, right? That's just totally unacceptable. So, and I think people think because I don't have a filter, I'm kind of naughty sometimes too. Like, right? It's just like, if you're screwing up, you know what? You're screwing up. That's all there is to it. Bottom line. <laughs> okay, so talk about the experience of teaching on your website right now. You're involved in a couple of events. Um, that have like 35, 45 teachers. I mean, I, from every perspective, that sounds overwhelming to me. One, the person who puts it together, which is not you, but someone else. Two, feeling um, with that big of a roster, feeling like what you have to offer is really different, is enough, is worth being part of that group. Will you talk about that for just a sec? Sure, sure. Um, so I'm, I've been involved for a number of years with uh, two of the, I'm going to say many at this point, many online group teaching events. I don't really, there's probably a lingo and a label for them, but basically <laughs> what it is, is there's some amazing person who is way overworked and guaranteed doesn't get paid enough who organizes these mega online events where there are multiple instructors. And you know every, everything is always a little different. It's on different platforms. Sometimes they're streamable, sometimes they're downloadable, um, but they all offer um, kind of a smorgasbord for any person who participates. And in terms of what you get, I feel like I'm selling them, but honestly, like, again, they're not mine. So you I don't, sell. you know, <laughs> I'm just speaking, I'm speaking the truth you get so much for your money. So um, I guess I could 
like give names, but so the two that I'm, I've been involved with for multiple years, one of them is called the uh, One Badass Art Journal. I love that. <laughs> I love the name. I mean, she yeah. had me at that name and it, it's, um, it's run by uh, an amazing artist, wonderful person, T.R. Smith. And I'm just going to say, and in case anyone wants to look her up, T.R. is, is actually T-I-A-R-E. Oh, nice. And she, her approach is really interesting. So she focuses on a journal. So in the beginning, one segment, everybody makes a journal together. And then throughout the segment, um, segments which last um, for um, multiple days each, all of a sudden something gets dropped in your inbox. Each person teaches their approach to journaling and you create a spread. And this is you know, available to you at your pace. So if, you're, if you can't be there, you know, they drop once a week. If you can't be there, they're always there. So you can come back and do it the year later, you can do it a different week. Um, but her whole thing is about like bringing out your inner badass and just like letting loose and letting go. It's your journal, just go for it. Um, and her approach is that it's, it's really beefy. So the videos are an hour plus, really in depth. You get to know the teachers really, really well. The other one I'm involved with is called um, Creative Jumpstart. This one's been around for a very long time. It is organized by Natalie Callback. And she has uh, one badass art journal has 15 instructors. Uh, Natalie's from this year has 38. And that these are like little tidbits though. So for a month and a half, at the beginning of every calendar year, you get something dropped in your inbox, which is basically a 15, 20 minute like jumpstart. Like it's, wow. you know, we've just finished the holidays. It's you know, for many of us, depending on where you live, it's cold. Let's like get you back into this. There's a 15 minute tidbit. It's gonna like just get you moving. Anybody can spend 15 minutes uh, to watch and, and to create something kind of fast. Um, and so they're very different, but they all have communities. So there's always this online community. So you, you sh everybody shows their art. They ask the teachers questions, the teachers participate. And I think honestly, what to me is best is that we are flooded, flooded, flooded with so much online. You know, everyone and their, you know, their dog and cat are teaching online now. So who, how do you know who you pick? So you spend really not much money. I mean, I'm talking like $65, $70 to get all this, that kind of thing. You get exposed to 38 different instructors. You get the community you know, you're going to really resonate with maybe, you know, three or four of the instructors maybe, and then you go and you explore their classes. So it's a kind of a teaser, like a taster uh -huh. in a way um, for what you can get. So in it, I, I think it's great, but for me, it, it also goes with this whole notion that everything is community. Just, you know, when I choose what I do and how I spend my time, it's a community. It's, it's always a community. And I love that all these different instructors are going to bring their peeps here right. to then cross pollinate with other instructors. So it's, you just grow the community, you grow the connection. So I think it's really brilliant. I would never in a million years do one as an <laughs> organizer, no way, no how, but I always like to say that some, there's somebody who will do anything. So I'm glad there's some people out there who actually take that on. They probably wouldn't do your um, event in Spain, 
Because, Maybe not, right. 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 It's, yeah. We all have what we like to focus on and how we put things together. And I've thought about that. I thought maybe I should get out of magazines and do something else. And then I think, yeah, no, I think I'll stick with because <laughs> I know them, right? I know how to do that. Yeah. So, um, so tell us a little bit about what you're working on now. Is that um, a variation of what you worked on? I mean, it's always a variation. That's a stupid question. But like, because you work on books and mixed media and journals and those kinds of things. But is there something new that you've discovered that you're working on that you want to share with everybody? Or is it because of COVID? Is it, is it just, are you just now breaking out of that? What we do? Well, mainly I'm just breaking out. Um, I've been hesitant because of the initial cancellations, right. which were then rescheduled and then canceled again. I've been hesitant to book too far forward because as anyone knows, you know, if I'm teaching a class in January, it's probably been booked for eight or nine months, if not longer. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're so far ahead and with the unknown. So I'm now catching up to, you know, now the world is opening up a bit and nine or 10 months ago, I didn't, I didn't book that many things. Um, but what I'm really doing is I am trying to um, can continue in my efforts to be very broad. Um, I just think that in the world that we live in, if you're not going to follow sort of the traditional model of being a gallery artist at a gallery where you command a pretty good price, I think it's not so easy to live, you know, as an artist. Um, so shocker, right? I'm letting, shocker, I'm letting right? that's my yeah. secret for today. It is a challenge in and of itself. Yeah. So I am constantly evolving sort of my approach to figure out the best ways given the world and the changing world of, of you know, earning that income. And um, one of the things I've done is I've started, and I just had the first um, experience with it, I've started a, a, an online class uh, that is about uh, sort of turning your passion into a profession. Oh. So, it's called Mind Your Business, and it's kind of like focused on the business side of art, because there's so many talented artists out there who either don't like or just don't feel like they have some of the knowledge or skills or know-how to really do the business side. For right. many, it's they just don't want to do that. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I've kind of created this approach where it's, it's a very intense class. It's a month-long class, and it's all... Um, interpersonal. So there's no recorded anything. It's all live. Zoom, the class gets together with Zoom. I meet with everybody individual, individually. So this is something that I've added, which I will continue with. You know, the first one went really well. So I will repeat that um, as long as there's somebody who might want to sign up. Um, <laughs> and at the same time, you know, part of what I do is I design products for companies, which is great because, you know, it's basically like, Oh, I really wish I had a rubber stamp like that. Oh, I can <laughs> get it made. Um, so I'm continuing in that direction. Um, and also I am trying, trying, trying to get back to making more art because I don't know, the longer I've done it as a profession, the less art I've made. I just don't have time um, to make art. 
So this is something that's um, my quest to be an artist who actually makes art um, has begun again. And it's been great. I mean, it's really, really, really been great because that's what really feeds me. So are you gonna sell your art online by yourself? Are you going to sell it at your events? Are you going to sell it in a gallery or a retail store? What are you thinking? Well, um, I've always sold it uh, online. Um, throughout the pandemic, I had these pop-up uh, art exhibition, online art exhibition sale, but I have an online shop, so I sell it online. But um, what I loved before, the pandemic was doing um, shows. So um, I'm not a gallery artist. It's not something I really aspire to, but I live in New York City and the opportunities here are pretty amazing. So I always used to do one or two shows a year. And when I say shows, I mean um, these sort of big expos where there's booths and you pay a lot of money to be in those booths. Let me explain that. <laughs> you know, you do have to get selected but once you get selected you know you're 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 definitely feeding the people who run the show although i do understand how much it costs to run those shows um so i i really want to begin to build up um a series so that i can start applying to these shows again and you know i have applied to the first one i'm not going to say which one it is um but i'm i'm excited about it and we'll see what happens it would be in the fall if, if I if I if I were accepted. I'll I'll find out in about a month if I'm well, in. I have very little doubt that you'll be accepted, but I wish you the best of luck. And Thank I hope you. you'll let us know so that we can share it with everyone. So I would love, is it in New York City? I would love a reason to come to New York City. Well, I, I can pretend it is so you can come. It's actually <laughs> in up, it's in upstate New York. Oh, okay. Well, that's close yeah. enough, right? Yeah. Right. Okay, so. Tell us a little bit about how you view tomorrow after what we went through yesterday. I mean, I think my perspective of the future is totally different post-COVID than it was going into COVID. I have an entirely different outlook, a different perspective, a different appreciation of certain things. Does Did it have an effect on you? Yeah, definitely. I mean... You know, I'm in New York and, you know, I go back to the beginning of the pandemic and I mean, we were really, you know, the initial epicenter and it was bad. I mean, really bad here. Like, you know, we had like in one day, we've had more deaths than some states have had in the entire period. So it really had a huge impact on me. And um, I think it did two things. It, it helped me to settle a little bit because I'm like a worker bee, like the idea of relaxing to me, like that's not comforting. That's not like, <laughs> like sitting back and doing nothing for 30 minutes, that freaks me out and that does not calm me. <laughs> but I think because of the sort of forced nature of me slowing down, I kind of got more Zen. You know, I think people sort of see me as Zen sometimes, but this really, you know, I really, I was able to sort of chill and slow down and I'm not saying not work, but but sort of do it at a more human pace. Um, <laughs> but then the opposites happen too. It's gotten me craving community and being in a room with people and in a safe way, mind you. But like, you know, to me, doing a class now in person is a completely, um, my headspace, my headset is completely different than it was before. 
I, I won't say I took it for granted before because I didn't. I feel very fortunate. Every opportunity and activity I have in art, I, I just I, I just feel so fortunate. I, I take nothing for granted in that. But like, I don't know, it just feels special. It feels different. It feels like something that we didn't quite know how good it was, even though we knew how good it was. Right. Now we right. really know how good it is. <laughs> um, and that's again, why I wanna veer everything toward these experiences. I want, I want to make every moment count. Uh, I agree. You know, for me, it's, it's a different feeling for all of us, but for me, it's, it makes me feel safe. I mean, mm. I, because I, like you, I live alone. Right. Yeah. And I felt so isolated and so not, I wasn't afraid of giving, getting COVID. That wasn't it. I just was, I, it was terrible. I was terrified of being alone all the time. I think artists like to be with people. Hmm. I think we like community. I think that's why we work so hard to build our communities, right? And why we're so forgiving and so giving. I think that's all part of it. And so now sometimes I just go be with my artist friends for no other reason than it just makes me feel safe to sure. be with a group of people, to know that they care, you know, and that we're okay. We're gonna be okay together. I think that's important. I totally agree with you on that one. Yeah, it's just crazy. So I want to know, um, I want you to tell people, just in case they don't know, I want to tell, I want you to tell people what your favorite technique in your art is and um, how you do it in just like a, a very short step by things, but could you do a million things? I mean, you create a million different things, right? So if you were to say, you know, I, I said we were talking about this the other day with Sharon and a couple of us. And I said, what is your very favorite thing that you love to do, the technique you love and what you love to make? And the answers were startling to me because it's not all you do. Right. Um, well, first, let me tell you, dear listeners, this was not like an emailed question to me. I didn't know this question was coming. <laughs> um, so let me just say that I, I, I don't. I mean, I can answer anything I want, so I'm going to. So I would say layers, um, which is a very broad thing. But honestly, over time, when I look at my art, how it's evolved, the evolution is all about layers. So I look at my early art and, you know, there's like, you know, three layers and it's done. Um, I honestly, I mean, if I wouldn't be exaggerating, if I said like sometimes there might be 300 layers, I can no longer make art in any medium that's not layered. I, oh. I just can't. So whether I'm using fabric, whether I'm using paint, inks, uh, found objects, it's layer after layer after layer. And it just, you know, I've thought a lot about that. And it definitely, it's, it's again, sort of putting yourself on the paper. And so for me, the, the idea of layering, it's kind of creating a history. So like, there's all this stuff inside me that you may not see. There's all this stuff inside me that maybe I'll share. Um, there's the surface that you kind of do see and everyone's going to have their own opinion about that and all of that. All the things that are sort of secret inside me, they kind of contribute to my surface. You just don't see what's there. And so for me, when I create art, it's like creating that history. It's like creating, it's creating something with depth and meaning because there's things that no one will ever see. You know, that first layer you know, completely disappears, but I know it's there and it informs what comes next. It, 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 it leads you to the surface. Yeah. 
And so, you know, I guess for me, art is, you know, it can be pretty, but it, it's also very meaningful. Like, I think there's a lot of emotion and expression and meaning in, in art for, for the people who create it that way. And so, yeah, layers is, I don't know, it just feels unfinished, exposed, not in a good way, um, incomplete and, and almost inauthentic if I'm not putting in layers. That's really interesting. So that was not a re, uh, an answer I was expecting, but it leads right into one of the other things we were going to talk about, and that's collaborative art, because uh, yeah. collaborative art is done in layers oftentimes, yes. right? Yep. So do you like to do the layers as much if, if it's collaborative with everyone else's history and things like that? I'm going to say yes with an asterisk. Um, so, you know, a lot of the times collaborations are people working separately. So right. like I do a page, you do a page, but the, a lot of the collaborations that I've been involved in are people working over each other's work. And so I love that because it brings me to a place that I never in a million years would have gotten right. on my own. I create art that is not what I would have created alone. Uh, because I'm someone else's history is there, someone else's beginning, it, it, it is guiding me. The part that, I'm not going to say I don't like it, but the part that makes me hesitant, although I don't hesitate and not do it, is that you're working on someone else's work. Right. It's very daunting. It's very like scary, that, especially that first thing. You know, you know, the whole critic in your head, I'm going to ruin it. What if that's not what they, they liked? Theirs is so personal. Um, you know, what if I take it in the wrong direction? Oh, they started with that color. I, I don't like that color. Like all these things swim around your mind. But in the end, you, you, you know, it's just like a couple. You come together, you're you, they're them. When you come together as a couple, it's like you're creating a third entity. And that's kind of what happens with, with that kind of collaborative art. I'm all for it. And anybody who's listening, who's hesitant, you know, just find somebody who you kind of can trust or you're comfortable with and just go for it. Like, just go for it. Well, right. Because I, you know, I, I watch people do collaborative art and, and sometimes you can see the look on their face, like, oh my hell, they've ruined my piece. Yes. <laughs> you know, but, sometimes you do. You do. It's like, I really do. loved what I did and now it's gone. Yeah. And, um, and then other times you think, oh my gosh, they made it so much better. Right. And what I keep saying through the whole process, because I don't usually participate is that and as artists, you are so fortunate and gifted that you can just make another one that you, <laughs> you like as well, right? It's not like this is your only one ever. You know, you can. So true. Get, right? Yeah, not, every, not everything you make is going to be a masterpiece. And, you know, that's the funny thing about the internet is that, you know, we're all geared toward the best. You know, most people, not everybody, some people are really authentic and, and sort of put up their quote unquote failures. But, you know, normally you're, you're, you're making a bunch of art. You're only going to show your best. You're going to take 50 pictures and just show the best one. You know, we're, 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 we're exposing something that's not the reality, which, you know, this is no like, you know, you made your, you know, uh, light bulb moment. Everyone knows this. But um, a lot of times the stuff we make isn't good. And that's okay. And I have sort of a catchphrase, which is supposed to be my catchphrase from, 
I don't know, maybe it was 2018 or 17, it was gonna be my phrase for the year, but it continues to be. And that's you're, you're always one layer away from magic. Because oh. I do believe that, and most artists who are listening will have this experience, you could be working on something and really not like it. And you can't let that get you because there's no rule that says anything along the way needs to be good. But we've all been in that situation where you literally add one thing or one layer and as if by magic, it is like incredible. It, it just speaks to your soul. And, you know, it's just really important. This is something I focus on in my classes. You know, don't be, you can be frustrated, but just recognize it's part of the process. And all you need to do is add one more thing. And that's, that can change everything. Yeah, I agree with that. There's a saying something about art isn't finished when there's nothing else to add, it's finished when there's nothing else left to take away. Or maybe yeah, like it's vice that. versa. It might be vice versa. <laughs> I have to go check on that. Well, we, but it would work the, either way, the, right? Um, I get the thought behind it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because artists sometimes don't are never sure if they're finished. Yeah. Right? They keep yep. you think maybe I should do this or I watch them a lot and the paintings stack up or the work or the books or whatever. I watch a lot of them. And um, when I used to write book books, it was such a um, challenge because they would make one and we'd get it all photographed and written and then they'd make another one and like it better and want to pull out the first one, right? Because, or they thought of something that they should have added to the first one. So could we just please take the photographs again, right? So um, books are books are a challenge. But, and speaking of books, I love your books. I hope everyone buys your books because everyone who's interested in what you are doing, I love your books. Have you ever thought about doing a, a new book? Did that ever enter your mind during... You know, the pandemic when you were home looking for things to do? <laughs> that one. During the pandemic, um, I was focused on the fact that the main source of my income dried up overnight. Right. And the idea of taking a year to write a book, I would not have survived it literally. Like, I, <laughs> you know, because like I wouldn't have money to eat. So I was focused mostly on what can I do to earn some money so I could survive this. Um, in all honesty. Um, the first two books that I have, they're, they're about creativity. They're about other artists. They're really about like what it's like to be an artist, good, the bad, the dreams, the failures. It's that kind of book. I kind of think I might have a book in me that's a little bit more of a traditional how-to book. You know, like I used to teach a class called, um, and so people of a certain age hopefully get this, uh, 50 Ways to Leave Your Layer. <laughs> With the Paul Simon 50 ways to leave your lover thing. Um, so I, I get, it. Wanna, you get it. Okay. I kind of want to turn that into a book. Although I will tell you, you know, books, the, you know, the publisher will change the title. So I won't even get the title. Um, so maybe down the line, that's, that's still in me. It's, it's quite a process. I think, I think that's why I like the magazine so much because books are so daunting to a lot of people where the magazine gives you an opportunity to tell the story or write the how-to instructions or something that you may not have had the opportunity to do otherwise because right. books are a commitment. They are, they are a huge commitment. Well, Seth, is there something you would like to talk about with our audience before we have to go? I'm going to just throw a quick um, thank you to you. You know, I've already, you know, I've been in your, in your magazine. I'm one of the guys, one of the lucky guys yes. who are in the men who make it section. I so appreciate that because I know um, 
you want to foster a greater community. It's where women create. And I know people have feelings sometimes about turning the pages and seeing a dude in the magazine. Um, but my community is 98% women and I am all in for that. Um, but you've also given me the opportunity to actually oversee and, and kind of quote unquote, write an article for you have, which has been such an experience of both um, pleasure and pain. <laughs> um, because once again, I'm relying on the kindness of other people because the article is not about me. It's about these amazing women who I'm not going to say much about it, but um, you know, I had to reach out. I had to do a call. I had to reject people, which I hate doing. Um, and then follow up and get bits. I, I had to basically do your job for right. a moment in time, which mm -hmm. just clarified with me how I would never be able to do your job. Um, but I really, really thank you for that, for the opportunities that you, you have given me and really, you know, I mean, you know me, you know, you won't get out of here without some love. The opportunities you have given to so many people being in your magazine is a life-changing experience. Oh, I know we all say it, but it really is. People find you, people see you in a different way. You get to share in a, 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 um, a periodical that the, the photography, I mean, it's full pages, it's double spreads. It's not you get four pages, you get like 11 pages, you get 16 <laughs> pages, you get spreads. It's in every article the, to the font is literally perfect for the artist. So it's like you are letting us be us and showing us in the best possible way to so many people. And it's really... Anyone who's been in the magazine will will agree with me. Um, so I, you know, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh my gosh. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Without all of you, you know, I say this over and over and over again, and I appreciate all of your kind thoughts. It keeps me going on the bad days, which we all have, regardless of how much we love our jobs, right? You have those really, really bad days, but these magazines are what they are because of all of you. You are so talented and so sharing and your stories are the most inspirational, regardless of what they focus on. Everybody gets to focus on whatever they want to focus on, right? I don't care what you talk about. It's your opportunity to tell your story. And I don't think I've ever read a story that I wasn't inspired by mm. in some way or the other. I have been you have all given me a gift that I can never repay. So um, allowing you or inviting you, allowing, that's a silly word, inviting you and having you accept being the magazine is not only a gift to me, which I treasure from the bottom of my soul, but for, every, for each other. You, you share your lives with each other, right? And it's why I fight so hard to keep these magazines because it has not been an easy job you know it's just you know that and i make yes. sure for everybody to read your article it's it's fabulous and i was um it's it's coming up in one of the upcoming issues and we will advertise it heavily and i want it to be a surprise because i want everybody to look for it because <laughs> you did such a great job and it was so totally different than anybody else would have done right whether it was whether I collected every 
everybody together or you collected everybody together or one of your artists did it. That's what I love about it so much. And that's why I don't give hardly any instruction in the magazine because I do not want the magazines to look like me. You know, I right. sometimes I get letters that say, well, there's no continuity in this magazine. You don't even spell the words right the same in from article to article. And I'm like, well, because some people live in Australia and some live in New York and some live, you know, they spell their words differently, right? Absolutely. There's no continuity. I don't want any continuity <laughs> anywhere. Continuity. Yeah, to hell with continuity. So, um, yeah. Give me a little insight into, you know, <laughs> what you often say, which is the satisfaction you get in being able to promote others, because, you know, this article is only going to be as good as the people in it. And they were all just very generous with their words and their photographs. And um, it just felt good, especially because, you know, one thing I see in your, in this article, but also in just your magazine is like, not every person is at the level where every person knows them. So like you, you, that's part of the beauty of what you've done is you've given opportunities to people who might not have had them otherwise. And that there's just something really just so, uh, I, don't, I don't even have the words, but just so special about that. So thank you. It's never my goal specifically to make you cry, but <laughs> I always seem to make you cry. <laughs> adore you and the nice things you say to me some people say nice things to you and you think oh my hell they're just trying to say nice things to you right but um like I was thinking about the other day I think you and I have only been in the same room maybe once or twice in our entire lives and yet I feel closer to you than I feel to almost anybody and I I I try to analyze that at times I think exactly what is it about Seth that he just talks to my soul and brings tears to my eyes always but you do I think we must have known each other in another life and um, I think we were really really good friends and we're just continuing on that relationship right and gotcha. I'm so thankful for the event that brought us together and what happened and all of that I I love my life and I love all of you so with that Thanks, being John. said, I have got to bring this to an end because my okay. makeup is running all over. You're going to run out <laughs> of tissues. And I'm going to get really, really syrupy here in a sec. But at the end of, of every one of our, my podcasts, whether it's your second or your first, I, you have to share another secret that most of us may not know. Um, so this I knew because you do this in every podcast. So the last time I was with you here, I, I shared a personal secret. So I wanted to sort of share a professional secret um, and kind of give you and all the people listening sort of a scoop. Okay. Um, which it actually just flows from the theme of today because it's about community. So I do have a Facebook group, which is a community um, called Seth After Creative Community, but I'm in the process of developing another one. Um, and literally, and I mean literally, maybe zero, but maybe one person knows this. So you are the first whoever's okay. listening. It's, it's kind of going to be modeled after um, sort, of a, sort of an old time sort of art salon. Oh, uh -huh. um, so it's not an art community in the sense of like, we're all going to make books together or all going to do it. It, it it's, it's going to be like a community that's about like the issues. Oh. So whether it's about like 
plagiarism, like somebody stole my class, or whether it's about how do you price your work, or whether it's about like, you know, um, negativity on the internet, it's going to be um, like a group of artists invited to be a part of like a community that really gets at maybe some deeper things, which is always important to me. So it's in the works and, you know, it'll be a sort of officially announced soon. Um, I was kind of hesitant to share just because it's not like fully formed, but, you know, I, I, I wanted to share something that I thought, you know, was truly is a secret. I'm really glad you did. And I think, I mean, yay for you, right? I think there's such a need for that. And there are so many issues that we all face that, I mean, one thing, for example, when you talk about Instagram and social media and the haters and all of that kind of stuff, it makes me furious how terrified we all are of what Instagram will do to our algorithms if we speak mm -hmm. out against them or do something. And that is a crazy world to live in, I think. So I will look forward to that. I hope I get to be part of it in a little way in some subject. I would love that. Oh, you're going to be a special guest. <laughs> oh, hey, I'll be a special guest. <laughs> At every meeting. <laughs> no, just once is good enough. <laughs> and then tell everybody one of your other favorite quotes, if you have one. I do. This one, um, this is a really brief context. So I was, um, I was with my sister and we were uh, driving in New York City I don't remember how, because it's all a blur to me, the whole pandemic is a blur, but at some point after, after not being out much for a long time, I sort of traveled out of my neighborhood. We were in a car. We were driving through the neighborhoods. Um, and I mean, New York was really decimated as it still is in a lot of areas in terms of closures and things like that. So we were driving by um, downtown, maybe in Tribeca or something like that. And I saw a graffiti and I, I wish I had gotten out or gotten closer so I could attribute this quote to somebody. When I first read it, I thought, oh, that sounds kind of morbid, but then I really realized what it was saying. And the quote is, die with memories, not dreams. Oh. And there's just something about that. You know, you said about what has changed, you know, for the pandemic and stuff. And that quote just to me gets at the heart of it that you want to do something, you do it. You know, don't just dream it, do it you you we all have a limited time go for it don't hesitate grab it take make your dreams a reality at least try and so i think that that's sort of a little bit of a mindset i've always had but that just crystallized it going forward you know make it happen i may if i quote that i'm gonna i'm gonna put you <laughs> as who said it because i always hate that unknown part you know, I think I'll yeah. put, I'll quote it and then put told to me my stuff out. Yeah, yeah, that, that's right. That, yeah. right? I want to take credit, so. No, yeah. but you have to take credit for sharing it that and I can spreading do. it, right? I think yeah. that's important as well, yeah. especially when we don't know, when there's yeah. no way of knowing yeah. about all of those things. Well, Seth, thank you for being a guest on From My Kitchen Table. I, I love talking to you. I love learning from you. I love sharing you with all of our listeners. And the only disappointment that I have during our podcast from the kitchen table is when our time is over for today. It is such an honor for me to be able to create a moment for each of us to be together to share our stories. I can promise you, and you can trust me, 
No matter how easy these guests make the journey appear, it wasn't. They each started by taking the first step, together and alone, frightened and inspired, ready or not, each one moving ever forward, simply doing what they love to do, and that is create. Because we are a community which is based on our support of one another, please remember to leave a review. Leave a review, not only for these magazines, but for each other. It is a small investment of your time and yet an enormous gift to each of our guests that are working so very hard to be the best they can be in their chosen field. If you have any questions or want to know more, please visit womencreate.com. As you know, I am a lover of quotes and to end this chapter of From My Kitchen Table, I want to share my favorite quote with you. And that is, I love each of you and all of you with a thousand hearts. Until our next From My Kitchen Table, stay safe, keep notes, and take lots of pictures. Thanks, Joe. You are the best. <laughs> it's because I have the very best friends. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get to look good because of all of you. <laughs> I thank you for everything, and I love spending time with you, and I thank everybody who took the time to listen. <laughs>